Welcome back to the official Atari Games podcast. This is Jason here. I'm joined by our VP of Games, Ethan Stearns. What up, y'all? Welcome back. This is kind of a no frills. We're just going to chat. The purpose of this of this podcast, I was supposed to do a Days of Doom podcast with the guys at Sneaky Box due to scheduling conflicts. Couldn't make it happen for this time, but we will do it the next time. Already have time reserved. So uh, hit the Discord channel. Give us questions. I'll have a bunch of people from the team on. We'll have a good chat. Deep dive into Days of Doom. But as a teaser, right? Because we were just talking about this off mic. Um, is it a spoiler, though? That's the problem. It's there. It's not a spoiler because there. It's in the trailer. I mean, this is why it's, it's going to be. Yeah, it's in the trailer. We're gonna. It's gonna. We may or may not have a new trailer coming out very soon. Um, but basically, the final, your final opponents in Days of Doom, are a pair of lizards, and their <laughs> names and their names are King and Gizzard, and I was explaining this to Ethan, and he didn't get the reference and the fun thing is i did get the reference right away when i found out that when sneaky box told me that these were the characters there is a band called king gizzard and the lizard wizards are you familiar with the band that now now that does sound familiar yeah so therefore the final boss is are two lizards who are wizards and their names are king and gizzard as an homage to that band. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So that's the whole thing. So anyway, just so we'd clarify that point as we I I, having... I did know you know, I had heard that the the Gizzard Wizards, but uh Lizard Wizards, but I yeah, I hadn't put it together. Yeah. Solid band. Like really, really fun band if you're uh if you're into that kind of rock. It's uh, good stuff. What type of music are we talking about here? I like some rock. Um, it's the indie rock. My worst, my least favorite description of music is indie because it's, you can't yeah, be more What does more that even mean vague. nowadays? Yeah, it's just like, well, it's not traditional rock and roll. It's not traditional rap. It's not traditional anything. We do something weird and therefore it's well, indie. It's like, what do you right, think but... about the title for games though? Like we, we throw around that word a lot for games and I oftentimes don't really understand what it means. Is my mic be... not mic too soft? It feels like I'm not as loud as you in the No, you're fine. The you're stream fine. below. It's all right. Don't worry about that. Um it'll it'll work itself out at the end. Um the So my my take on that is I actually I begrudgingly use it. I don't like it because it's a disingenuous term. Back in the day it meant something, right? There are legitimate independent developers. In, in, we call ourselves occasionally, and I'll use the term because it's entered the vernacular as something that people understand, where we are effectively an indie games publisher. Like that's, that's the type of games of us, that we yeah. do. And, that's, and people know what that means. But if you actually look at the language, it's oxymoronic. Independent publisher is, the, is completely at odds with, with one another. Like Devolver is an independent games. They call themselves an independent game publisher, I believe. But by being a publisher, it's not independent. Because I would look at that as independent developers, self-publishing, that kind of thing. Um, Cuphead is a great example. Cuphead got funding and basically published by Microsoft when it came out. It was out. published by Microsoft. It didn't kind of get yes. published. It was published by Microsoft. Right. Same with and Ori and the Blind Forest. Right. Those are classified as indie games, but they were completely funded by one of the biggest companies on the planet. So indie games are 
classified this way, I think, because we want to talk about games that are like lesser, like they maybe cost a little less to produce. They have less features. Like I think AAA games nowadays, there's an expectation that they meet all of these back of the box features. Uh, maybe that's not even true anymore. But I, think, I mean, we think of like big, big normal games that are non-indie games. I think we assume that they have all of these features that they'll be judged against. Whereas, in, uh, when we say indie games, I think it's more—it's an attempt to to like justify or just clarify that it's not meant to be there. I don't know if it's like a financial level of like the budget of the game or a feature set of the game, or just the fact that it's like doing things that are non-traditional for game formats. It's, it's, but I think it's this, we have, I guess ultimately the argument I'm making is it's the same problem across all these different media formats. If you're making indie movie, indie, indie, indie music, indie, so I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, you know it when you see it, right? That's how it's defined. Because like Lies of P is is uh going around as an indie game it's like an indie souls like game Soulsborne, right wait what but you look at lies of p it's coming out soon it's like yeah 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 it looks if you put that side by side with bloodborne you'd be like oh these are both like triple a productions but lies of p oh boy right the sensors are going to go off here so every so often i got to turn off the lights so if you're watching the video you're going to see that it's just going to be more more animated Uh, in how we're talking I'm like outside of you, the sensor. I'm going to throw this thing and see if that that didn't set it off. All right, cool. Well, then, you know what? I could just go dark, you know? We'll just be the... Yeah, we're doing it live. You're doing it live, you know? After it, we'll do it live. So, um, yeah, Liza P is like this cool um, independent... It's like an independent game in a way, but it's also being published. I mean, it's got some funding coming into it from a publisher. But it is one of those, like... Ultimately, it takes the form of if it's artsy... If it goes against the mold, then it usually takes the the independent moniker, right? That's ultimately what it comes down to, because you can have a, you know, in, I'm th- you could have like a huge, big budget game. Like Hollow Knight is probably takes an enormous amount of money. Hollow Knight 2, like this new one, Silk Song, right? Like the budget of that that they're putting into probably eclipses most indie game development budgets just by the sheer amount of time they're putting into it which they have and can afford because of the success of Hollow Knight 1. And that could eclipse certain, like, what you would classify a, like, double-A project, right? Like, how do you distinguish between triple-A, double-A, triple-I, as they call it now, which would probably be something like Lies of P, and then that standard indie affair, quote-unquote, if it's pixel art, it all of a sudden goes into the indie bucket. You're yeah. never going to get a pixel art game and people are going to be like, that's a triple A game, you know? Right. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, are we creating these monikers or is it monikers the wrong term? We're creating this like subtext to help people better know what they're getting, I guess. Or you still didn't get the light to turn on, huh? No, no, it didn't work. There's a light <laughs> that went on over there in the hallway, but not in this room. So it's just gonna be dark. So I don't know. It's a weird thing, but yeah, um, I've 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 never understood when people write indie rock as like a, a music category. I don't really know what that means. It means it's gonna be weird, and that at some point somebody's gonna do something or talk in a funny voice, and you're like, oh, okay, 
that's what they do. Or like, you know, it's more experimental, right? That's they're going to twist things around a bit. It, it, so. it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. It's not a good descriptor of stuff. But I at the same time, there is especially in the game side of things. It has unfortunately become a very useful term to set expectations of what you're talking about and what you're doing. So in that form, it's it's useful, if a little frustrating, because language starts to not mean certain not starts to not mean anything. But anyway, um, yeah. Well, this I'm, is... I'm fascinated on this subject matter, though. So yeah, okay, if, go ahead. Because I don't know Stay anything about music. You sound like you know you know more about music than I do. So like, I don't think that's true. I don't. I think, think you do, true. though. You always bring up bands that I don't. Know, I don't know any of these bands. So I'm just curious, like, because thinking of games, like if you think of, um, like Dark Souls is a let's say we're thinking Dark Souls is a triple is a normal game, and then like uh, Death's Door is a was it Death's indie Door? Game. It was an indie yeah, Death's game. Door. Yep. Is that the one that was kind of Soulsy? Yeah, but it was like that Zelda style yeah. Souls game, right? Yeah. So like, okay, so if, if that's that, and then like one band, like the band you mentioned earlier was like an indie rock band. What is a normal rock band? What's an I example of a normal rock band? It would probably just go down to mainstream and popular acceptance, right? Like um, if it's pop rock, like Taylor Swift is pop rock. You would never call her an indie rock act, right? Right. If you're talking about hell, I, I I love Rival Sons. That's more of like a traditional rock band, right? They're not doing like the setup is traditional. You got your you got your guitars, you got your guitar, bass, vocal, drums, right? You're not doing you're not throwing anything into the weird. You're not like twisting it around a little bit. They're not they're not mainstream. They have an audience, but you know they're not they're not doing like you know obscure gigs. I suppose um, if I'm thinking of. You know, what's funny is like I would actually Foles is like for some reason an example of a band that I that people might classify as indie. Actually, Mumford and Sons was enormous. Right. And when they came on the scene, that I believe was identified as an indie rock or folk band. Right. Right. But like but folk why? is a genre. So it's like. Right. But they were still indie. I think for whatever reason, they were still classified as indie. I, but again, this is where I'm kind of maybe showing my ass a little bit because I don't know. I, I really don't. Yeah, it's an interesting it's, thing. It's a, I think it's at the end of the weird. day, it's like uh, I'm not sure if it's is it like to temper people's expectations of it or to give people like like let people know that it's a little bit wilder. Like, why not just call it rock music? Why not just call it a game? Why not call it you know a normal movie? Why do we have to put that that sort of label on it? I think it's I, I don't know who it's serving. I guess is the ultimate question I'm asking. Um. It might honestly serve the the actual term indie. You mean? Yeah, is it serving like the person who's like selling the thing, or is it more there to serve the person who's like like the consumer of that thing? I think it's I think it's more serving the the seller of it from the marketing side, because I don't think someone's actually going. They might if they're saying I want to seek out something. Like let's put it in the context of games, right? I'm looking for something small, but what does that mean? Is small the the, how do you how do you define small in the context of games? Is it a matter of the length of the game? Is it the production value? Right. Is it because in theory, like the size of the game is really determined by how much time you spend with it, right? Because the, for the consumer themselves, what are they doing with it? They're going to play the game, and then at some point, they're going to be done playing the game. So the size of the game is not you. They're not looking at. They might look at it and be like, "Oh my god, this game was so expensive." 
right? But if you're done with it after six hours, that's less of a time investment. You could play a game like Stardew Valley for hundreds of hours. And that game costs like, what, $15? But you don't look at that and say, but I don't think people look at that and be like, that's a huge game. It's on the surface, people probably look at that as being something very small. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think the two biggest, I think also think it's interesting when there are games that transition from being indie games into normal games. So the two big ones I always think of are like Minecraft and PUBG. Like I think sure. PUBG yeah. initially is absolutely an indie game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just because it's a genre, as a genre, it's like a more realistic shooter game. I mean, there's like this mod guy goes and finds a studio in Korea to like make this game. And then they release it and it's totally broken and like it gets it finds virality through like the you know through the player base but then it becomes like for a while PUBG was like the biggest game in the world it totally blew open the genre of multiplayer shooters oh yeah and then similar to like Minecraft Minecraft could not be more of an indie game not only because of the art style but just like it's a small studio they literally were selling it directly through their website and it's like probably the biggest game in the world Yes. Yeah. I believe it's like, if it's not number, it might be number two or number one in the most sold game of all time. Sold games of all time. I'm pretty sure it's up there because they sell it on everything. Yeah. Minecraft is number one. You want to guess how many sales they've, uh, they've achieved. I don't even know. I don't even know the range. My guess, my initial thought is it's in like the hundred million range. Here's what I'll say. One, two, three, four, five. Number five in this list is PUBG. And it's at 75 million. Okay. That's Minecraft lot. is number one. What do you think it is? I don't I don't know. And this includes this is like direct game sales. Everything. This is everything. All right, sales. So I don't know. Five hundred million. That's crazy. No. Two hundred thirty eight million. I don't Next know, but uh, I, I figure like every kid in the world. Where's Ro- is Roblox on there somewhere? Well, Roblox isn't for sale, right? So it can't be included here. Like Fortnite's not here because you don't buy Fortnite, right? Interesting. It's only games that have sales. So GTA Five is number two with 185. Tetris has 100 million, is, which is Mario Kart low. Eight on there. Yeah, that's number six at 63.9. Okay, I like this game. I want to try to guess them all now. So what, I got number one and number two. So number one is Minecraft. Number two is GTA. I said number three, which is Tetris. Okay. Five is PUBG. So what do you think is four? Between PUBG and Tetris. Yeah. If if you don't know it when I tell you, you're going to be mad. Uh... Because it's kind of like, I'll give you a hint. It's kind of a trick question. Is it? Well, don't you? Don't, why just why don't give me that? Because now you're making me second guess. You, should, uh, I mean, so now I want to say it's G, it's GTA Four. Or why would that be a trick question? I don't know. I don't know what a trick question would be. Now you got to tell me what it is because now my brain's broken. Wii Sports. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I understand why it's a trick question because it's a pack-in. Right. Which okay, is why. So now... uh, so now okay. we got PUBG of five, Mario Kart at six. Um, so now, if, so what do you think? Seven, eight, nine, ten are. So these are like highest selling games of all time. I thought San Andreas was like one of the top selling games ever. That is, that is 
It is in this list, but it's not in the top 10. It's, not it's in probably the in the 10. top. It's like in the top 30 or 50. I think this is 50 names. Um, 50 names. Are they all? Oh, man, that's crazy. It's crazy to think GTA 5 is so high up there. That just means that. Is it, though? The game well, came out but, on 360 and PS3. Yeah. And they have not released a new version since. And they transitioned into a games of service with GTA Online. But you would think like a game like Tetris that's been on sale for so long. So would... they distinguish Tetris 1989 and then Tetris under EA. That's how they've dis- they Interesting. put this year. It's weird. I'm just trying to think, part. like, what are the biggest, what are the biggest games ever? Um, I mean, I feel like I hit all the ones I want to say, like a Mario game. Like, okay, keep going. But I, uh, I'm trying to think what Mario game it would be. Uh, I feel like it would be, um, Mario. Whatever. What was the Mario on DS or New New Super Mario Brothers? New Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> That's in the list, but it's not the top ten. Is there a Mario Brothers game in the top ten? Yeah, yeah, it's number seven. So oh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the I'm on the trail. Okay, yeah, so... yeah, yeah. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to stick this landing. You were so close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just I don't know. Now I'm trying. Now I'm like overthinking the situation because because you said Wii Sports. It makes me think like what had the biggest install base? Because um, like I don't think Mario. This Odyssey... also this also counts re releases. Right. That's why, why GTA Mario... 5 is so high because you're talking about sales on 360, PS3, PS4, yeah. PS5, also, you know, um, Xbox One, etc. Also, uh, Mario Kart 8. That's why I don't like Mario Kart 8 is like always in the top. So I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't know if you're leading the witness at all there. So is it is it like Mario 64? No. It's not. And it's not Odyssey, right? No. And you, you're you're Mario thinking 3D too hard. World? No, you're thinking too hard about it. So know? is it just Super Mario Brothers? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. crazy. 58, 58 million. Wow. So that's like right. re-released versions of that. Okay, so now we got number eight. Eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. Man. Is, like, is one of them like a mobile game? No. Interesting. That's actually very interesting that none of these, uh, I mean, PUBG, I guess, is on mobile, but. I've heard like crazy things about like kind of the terminal velocity of a premium product on mobile. Um, I think maybe Minecraft is a, is a, is sort of a exception to that rule. But I remember hearing a whole thing about like uh, um, Monument Valley and how like what a massive success Monument Valley was on mobile as a premium title, but then it kind of hit a ceiling. But then these other games that are like free to play that are not anywhere in the ballpark is as good as of a game as that game just like eclipse the sales numbers. Um, man, I don't know if Mario's in there. Uh, now make now I'm thinking like games that have been out for a while and then have released several times over. Do you want hints? I could give you. I could give you like year ranges. I could give you some some hints here that won't give it away, but we'll kind of let you are any of them around. like are any of them like teen or mature yes level okay would, two would, of I them mean, are mature rated uh fuck so i mean i want to say like like a like um like a resident evil game for some reason no if you took franchise yes probably but no 
that's not. And actually, Resident Evil is not even. It might be now. Monster Hunter is actually one of. So Capcom's would it be? Could it be like Call of Duty Modern Warfare? Like or. No, what you see, this is the problem that you're going to is that you're you're thinking about the popularity of franchises and not an individual title that's persistent. Yeah, but I was so thinking where like, you should be thinking, here's where you should be thinking, is in the ballpark of persistent titles that have few and far releases in between each other. That's why GTA five is so high and not four. So because GTA GTA three. You know what's crazy? Grand Theft Auto three. Vice City and San Andreas came out within a year of one another. Is that true? Wow, I didn't know that. Yes. And then you talk about GTA 4. That came out maybe four years before GTA 5. And now we haven't had a new GTA since it for almost a decade. I know it's crazy. It's crazy how well the online. It's it's crazy how well online uh, has done for that game. I still see updates on that. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. And that that the, it really speaks to like the the quality of the world that they built. That that game is incredible. Um, I played that game. I bought that game three times. I bought it on 360. Played it all the way through. Loved it. Uh, I bought it again on Xbox One, and then I bought it on PC. Wow. So there you go. You're the reason. Um, God, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. I want. Is World of Warcraft one of them? No, actually, that's kind of surprising. That's not here. But no, um, persistent. But, uh, I'll, but because you've said that, I will give you another hint. One of them is a Blizzard game. <sighs> so it's StarCraft. No, <laughs> and it's not. It's and it, it's not. Is it Warcraft Three? No. Tell me now. I just, I don't know. I, I don't want to guess anymore. I, I don't have any. Right, I don't fine, have any guesses. Eight Eight is Red Dead Redemption Two, which surprises the hell out Whoa. of me. That's got fifty five million. Wow, Rockstar's killing it. And then 9 and 10 are tied. The Blizzard game is Overwatch. Really? Yeah, at, and that's 50 million. Also with 50 million, this one is probably going to blow your mind, but maybe not really. I don't think you would have ever guessed it. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. And Ethan is, uh, so I'll be vamping while he is talking to somebody off on the side. This has been a fun little guessing game. By the way, never really explained what we're doing here. This is not like a normal podcast. Sorry. We're going to be just kind of chatting and hanging. And you're going to get to know uh, Ethan. Every so often, if I don't have devs on or something like that, we'll uh, we'll do this. And I'll just chat with somebody on the team. So and also, Jason and I work together all day long, every day. And we actually don't often get time to just chat about random stuff like this. So it's yeah. uh, you're, you're seeing it's us let loose. Yeah, it's good stuff. So The Witcher 3 is, no false, is tied with Overwatch with 50 million. Man, I think I think Overwatch is one of the most interesting projects because it was like this aborted other project they worked on for 20 years. And then they like they scrapped Titan and then rebuilt Overwatch out of the ashes of that. Like, are you standing on the table? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I um, I put tape on the top of the uh, on the light up top here, so that I can uh, so that it would darken the room. And I feel like if I take that down, it will be less dark because you know there's no tape over the light. So there is light coming out of it, but it's uh, covered with blue tape. So yeah, keep talking about it. Keep talking though. I'm listening. But, I mean, are you aware of that whole story? No. 
Um, it's just, you know, Blizzard... I don't really know the whole detail of it. I think it was IGN or some outlet did a piece on it um, a long time ago that I found fascinating. But it was... Basically, there was an MMO uh, that was a successor to um, to World of Warcraft that was codenamed Titan. And all the characters from Overwatch, or I don't really know if this is 100% true, but most of the characters from Overwatch were part of this like larger narrative like MM, like MMO game that they ended up scrapping after like 20 years or some huge amount of time they worked on it. And then Overwatch was built out of the leftover characters and th- and world from this game Titan that they made. And then oh. Overwatch comes out and is a massive hit for them. Um, and so for all these people who like worked on, I mean, it's also, it's gotta be weird for, there's games like that. Like destiny is another one of those where like destiny was this huge sweeping game with all this, had this huge narrative. And right before it came out, they scrapped the narrative and then rearranged all the character assets into a new game with like different names and like certain characters were like partners together and like had a whole storyline, but then they like completely separated them. Um, it's just gotta be weird to watch those games, like become successful and those characters become like mean something narratively to, to, um, to a group, like a group of people, but it's like totally different from what their Genesis was, how they were initially created. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Well, my most, most recently vampire survivors did that, right? Using a bunch of Castlevania assets to turn Is that true? into I didn't this know that. new genre. Yeah. It originally started with a bunch of like Castlevania assets. He eventually basically changed them all to be, you know, probably legit and not illegal, but yeah, it originally started with a bunch of Castlevania <laughs> assets Crazy. in the game. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, game, games kind of pivot like that all the time. I mean, not so much from a lore perspective, but look at Fortnite, right? Like Fortnite was something that was completely different than what it's become now. Fortnite, as it is now, is literally Fortnite Battle Royale because the original Fortnite was actually, it was a play on words because you built forts in a horde shooter. Like that was the point. And you were building forts to fight hordes of enemies. And then with the success of uh, of PUBG, they were probably like, hey, there might be something to try. Let's try this. And then next thing you know, Fortnite. Yeah, it really speaks to kind of the like planet. the developer, like, you know, that PUBG when it came out and, and really like cemented that genre. I don't want to say invented that genre. I think there were like, you could look up back at DayZ and yeah. like uh, H1Z1. And there were other places where that sort of battle royale concept began. But, um, but they, they, it popularized it at a scale that none of those other games had. And then, uh, and then Epic just went and copied it. Basically (laughs) a bunch of, a bunch of people copied it. And then, and then Fortnite, because they just had the development capability. And I think also because it was more of an all ages, uh, Fortnite was definitely more attractive or easier to sell to a younger audience. Um, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you play Fortnite at all? Uh, no. I I did I I like first person shooters. I play a lot of shooters. Um and so uh yeah, there was definitely like a number of shooters that that I played including Fortnite uh and PUBG and all those, but I I don't know. Fortnite was never one I really got into. I think mostly because um mostly because the 
third person element of it wasn't, I was, I don't know. I wasn't really into that as much. Yeah. I actually, um, so I was telling you this before I like wrote down a bunch of questions to kind okay. of go through to ask you just to kind sure. of add this stuff. And one of them are kind of stumbling on, um, and this is actually a question that I, I, I mean, all these, I was kind of just curious for your, um, uh, hit me. I wrote, them. I wrote them knowing that we're talking. Okay. So as a, you play mostly live service games, right? Like that's kind of what you play the most of now, would you say, or no? Is that uh, yeah. I mean, I tend to like, we play so many of our games all the time and I'm constantly sitting at my computer working. I oftentimes like jumping back into a game that doesn't require like dedicated hours for me to have fun i'll play a game for hours but i like to be able to jump in and play it for 10 minutes and have fun or jump into it for five hours and have fun and so yeah i guess i have i it's not something that i'm like guess proud of like i wish i played a larger quantity games in general i like to get like deep into games and really like understand them and play them to the deepest they can i can and so as a result i've gotten caught up in certain franchises like destiny i mentioned like destiny was like my life for a very long time i love that game um so the, so yeah. the question the question comes is, is this does uh do you have a back like does a backlog exist for you when you play games oh, yeah. like that because i i look at myself as someone who i don't play a lot of live service games because i look at it almost the opposite lens that you do where i'm like those service games those games where i'm jumping in like those live service, those are the time investments to get into and that keeps me from playing a wide variety of games i don't like to be relying on other people i like to jump into a game play it and then try to finish it and move on um so the backlog is like this one then this one then this one then this one then this one how does isn't that kind of counterintuitive against a live service games and how do you handle it yeah i mean i think i think that for me it's oftentimes about understanding what that experience is and once i've hit that then i feel like i've completed it. it's not about like getting to the end of the game as much mm -hmm. as it's about like what what is the community around this game it, why do they like this game i want to understand what everyone's how everyone's playing it what and in a game that i think is, when i get into it and it's really good and i get into it getting into that end game is also something that it's very difficult for you to like dip your toe into a game and experience what that end game experience is because it takes many 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 hours to get there so um like recently it was diablo like as diablo came out like i didn't really play diablo 3 i loved diablo 2 um back in the day and so i jumped into diablo 4 and really wanted to dedicate myself to it because i wanted to like know what the current like i know there's a big community who love this game i want to experience that um and i you know i think you know i i play i play tarkov a lot yeah. and part of the tarkov thing was that exactly a friend of mine played it and I think it, I was like, this game is crazy. I'm not like a gun nut. I'm not really like, it feels like it's, I'm, I'm not culturally really like part of what that game is or what I thought it was. Um, but it's interesting to become part of the depths of a, of a live service game like that. And then I think you say the same thing of like a, like a, um, uh, like a, a non-shooter game like I, I got like really into like valheim for a while um minecraft is like that um wow i i i've spent wow is 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 my like white whale 
I have like five times been like, I'm doing this. I'll build a character. I'll pay in advance for like the, for the service. And then I'll like play the game for probably maybe 20 hours. And I'm like, I just don't like this game. And I'll like stop playing it. Um, because I just want to know, I know people love wow. And I want to be, I want to understand that. I want to be part of it enough to like be able to talk about it in in these ways or at parties or whatever. So yeah, that's kind of parties. That's a big, that's a big hit. Everybody's gather around with their drinking, drinking cool drinks. And everybody's just like, Hey man, you know about wow. And you're like, I don't. And you're just going to slink away. (laughs) That happens more and more, more and more. Maybe it's because we go to a lot of game related parties, but I also think like more and more that happens. Dude, you got to say, because you work at a game company, I feel like more often than not, you're at like a bar or a restaurant or somewhere and you're like talking to like a waiter or, or, or just randomly you start talking with somebody. I feel like more often these days, people know about games and can talk intelligently about games than they have ever it's 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 more of a uh beyond being pop culture it's more of just a general cultural thing that i think uh games have broken through yeah so yeah people want to talk about wow people the the thing about world of warcraft i started i i played world of warcraft when it first came out when you had to pay for it up front and then you had to pay that like 15 dollar a month subscription i mean i think you still have to do that but it wasn't free to play and you had to get to level is it free to play now the first 20 levels, I think, or something like that. Oh, That's what most of these games do. Yeah. So it's like you needed a mount at level 40 when I was when it first came out. And I got I think the furthest I ever got was like level 25. I made a new character, a hunter, just because they could run faster. And I was so tired of walking places. I'm like, this is nonsense. And that was before I actually really got into RPGs. But I played a lot of that game. Like now you talk about a kind of a white whale MMO. That's Final Fantasy fourteen for me. Yeah, that's that one game for me too. looks unbelievable. And then when you go to How Long to Beat, let's play another guessing game, right? Shall we? Uh, How Long to Beat is one of my favorite websites. Um, how long do you think it takes to beat Final Fantasy fourteen? Because there is a full campaign to it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't now there's two. That. Can you there beat are, World of Warcraft? I don't know. But you can complete all the raids and complete all the content. So it says Final Fantasy 14. There are three options here. It says solo, co-op, and versus. Let's just, I don't know why. Okay. So solo, guess this, between solo and co-op. You want to take a guess how long these are? What's the gap between them? Or Well, guess either one. Like solo, give me a number, and co-op, give me a number. I don't know, 100 hours. Uh, No. Do you want And then what do you think for co-op? I have no idea. Do you got to tell me? I have no. I have no right. point of reference. Solo, two hundred thirty-six hours. Co-op says I don't know how this is possible. One thousand four hundred forty-four hours. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Like that becomes your life. That's it. That's your game. Yeah, I want. Even if you were to play, if you were to play an hour a day, that would take you years. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is, like, people don't. I don't know if you can. Uh... I can look this up still, but I wanted to like look up on Bungie, like let's see World of Warcraft because I, I think there is a I, campaign. Oh, for Destiny? No, World of Okay, World of Warcraft also has a co-op number, and it's two thousand four hundred seventy-one, and that's only the base game. The Wrath of the Lich King it says one uh, one thousand five hundred eighty-eight. All these are like over a thousand hours. Like this becomes your life. I have a friend who met her 
I don't know if they're married, I guess. But anyway, let's just say she met her. No one's going to quiz me on this. She met her husband on World of Warcraft. Yeah. No one's going to come up to me. I heard heard, that's not true. I heard that wasn't true. Yeah, I heard that wasn't true. So I don't know. I don't want you to like be speaking falsities on this. Um, I, I actually have. So way back in the day when I was like younger, I was very into Call of Duty, like uh, competitively. Like I was into shooters, like competitively. And I got very into Call of Duty 4. And um, I have friends that I hung out with all the time um, that I never met in person. And then I ended up meeting them in real life. And it was the weirdest thing because I like knew them super duper well. Actually, Destiny 2. One of my best friends to this day is someone I met once at Comic-Con because he was like a friend of a friend. And then yeah. we basically hung out every night for an entire year playing Destiny together. And then uh, he's still like one of my best friends. And I think I've probably hung out with him in person like 10 times. Um, awesome. And, you know, I think that's that's cool. And then to this day, I play I play games on Tarkov. I have a whole group of people I play Tarkov with. I have no idea who they are. They're like... They're kind of friends through friends, or some of them, I and mean, we might have met in game, and they've become part of our group that we play with. It's like I think of it like a bowling league almost. It's like, yeah. I mean, you play you play beer leagues, uh, hockey, and stuff. So they're yeah, people yeah, that yeah. are kind of like part of that that become kind of like your friends, but you know them through the game. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think of that. I think of those as being similar things. Yeah, it's a social experience. Experience. It's like it's like any other sort of club that you show up. Except you're not showing up to do pottery. You're playing Destiny. Right, right, man. I gotta do. I, I've been wanting to do pottery. There's like an arts. There's an arts place in my town that like, and I've I've literally looked into it because they they'll like you can rent it and then like use the wheels and like do all that stuff because it's something that I've I've wanted to do. I did. I took a pottery class in middle school once. Um, they wanted me to make some sort of like the first thing they did was have you make like some sort of uh, like Indian jar like thing, and I made it shaped like a snowman, and uh, they did not really appreciate that. It was pretty. It was pretty dope. Snowman, like a bunch of flowers and everything. It was great. Dude, I'm sure. Was you still having? Did your mom have it somewhere? No, I'm sure she threw it away. It sucked. She threw away that. She probably threw away my. Uh, there, there was another one in shop class where you had to uh, where you make a clock, right? So my sister, you know, she's two years older than me. So she made a coffee cup, like a coffee mug clock, and it was perfect. It was gorgeous. And then I made. And my mom like put it up, hung it up in the kitchen. So there was this like really nice wood coffee mug clock. And then I made a flyer's clock. And that did not go up on any wall. And I don't even think I saw that again. That thing is definitely in the trash. (laughs) People just don't appreciate my art, you know? Well, I mean, they just can't appreciate it. Sometimes art has to live and die and then live as a memory. Um, yeah, exactly. And there it is. And now it's immortalized in uh, in this podcast. Look, I got a... Um, okay, go ahead. You're gonna so I was going to say, like, I was just... I wanted to look this up. So I looked it up on Tarkov. Now, so I... I Tarkov existed way before I started playing it. Um, I... I there are, there are whole, like, levels. Because the way Tarkov works is, like, different maps you go to. There are maps that I've never played because I don't think I'm good enough to play on them. Um... And yeah, I would generally consider myself uh, like a like a below average player in Tarkov. Um, guess how many hours of the game I've played? One thousand eight hundred and twenty-seven uh, oh. hours and two minutes. 
it's well, like, that's that's reasonable. I'm sure you you know it's not like you have a family. Wait a minute. Well, like not, I, I oftentimes I'm like I, I'll I'll come out of playing a game like that for like a long period of time, and then I will be upset with myself for not. Like, there's a ton of backlog stuff that I would love to play, then I don't. Like, why am I still playing this? But in the end of the day, like, I have a really great time getting, like, deeper and deeper and deeper into stuff. And sometimes I'll play games that are, like, a more linear experience, and I find that I will, like, speed past it, or I have a hard time getting to the depth of them. Like, uh, the last one that... The last one that I really had to force myself to get into fully was the last of us part two. And I made it so I couldn't play any other game besides that game and, um, played it for like a week and a half or something. And I was really trying to force myself not to speed through it, not to try to like, just get through this level so I can get to the next part to the next part, which I think is like a thing in like games, like, like a, like a service game, there's, there's never like a, th- a thing for you to get to next. You can't get through it too fast because it's always existing. So anyways, what other questions? But there is the, there is the risk of content going away. Like in the, in the case of destiny two, I, if Bungie ever released like, cause destiny two apparently has like this awesome story. And I played vanilla destiny two back in the day. I haven't played vanilla destiny one. I feel like it would be awesome if, and I know it'll never happen if Bungie released a standalone single player version of Destiny 2 where you could play through all of the story content that they've created. You because kinda, you can play it as a single player game. You kind of can. Yeah, you can play it as a single player game. Right. And I, that's how I've played Destiny 2. And then every so often you'd run a bunch of uh, like some random events that would happen. You'd join in with people and then I'd just leave and continue on my campaign. Yeah, and that was great. But when there's vaulted content that doesn't exist anymore then there's nothing they're, I can do. they're bringing all the a bunch of that content back into the game though oh um, cool so there you can play destiny one uh, destiny two and play the opening levels from destiny one like if you start a new account i can't remember what they they call it there's some there's some name they've made but yeah it's an interesting it is an interesting scenario and it also goes into kind of like questions that we talk about a lot at atari about like game preservation and like how do you these games that exist as as happenings they're not like it's not like a game that you can you can't give someone world of warcraft in 30 years when the servers don't aren't up 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 anymore and have that experience exist like there are games now that are shape they shape the landscape of what game experiences are and in like 50 years it might be difficult to go back and play PUBG in its original format because it's it's a it's a sandbox. It's not a it's not a linear game experience. It's something that you kind of had to be there to understand and experience. And the whole other thing I think is interesting about some of these games. And um, anyways, yeah, what other questions? What other questions you got? Uh, so I got I got some non gaming questions here. I was going to go uh, alternate. Uh, do you want one about food or movies? We'll do the other one either. Later. Either one. All right, then I'll just go in order. All right, what's the best meal that you've had in oh, recent God. memory? Oh, in recent memory. I actually wrote the last two months, but it could be at any time. Well, I was, and it could be ones that you, one that you made. It could be one that you, yeah. Well, I was recently I was recently yeah. uh, vacationing uh, around um, East Coast, and I was up in Maine, and my uh, father in law uh, has a place up there, and we went to this like lobster co op and got. Um, we got 10 lobsters. 
yeah, 10 lobsters and it was a hundred dollars. And they were Whoa. like incredible. And we, and I, I How cooked, big? Do you know what was the weight? They were know? all around a pound, uh, pound and a quarter or something. Still pretty good. It was unbelievable. It was, uh, maybe they were heavier than that. I think they were like, yeah, a pound and a half. I don't know. But they were, um, and you know, I, we cooked them. I was, I had, I was, uh, we went to a couple places while I was in Maine and like I had a lobster roll and had some, you know, one year in Maine. And, uh, I, you know, I don't cook a ton of lobster. So I think I know the timing. I like to cook. Um, these lobsters were so good. I like ate so much lobster and, I almost felt sick from it. I think I ate three whole lobsters. Um, it was incredible. So that was that was a pretty amazing meal I had recently. Main lobster, good stuff. What about uh, and the pairing blueberry pie? No, uh, there was, yeah, there was some blueberry pie as well. You know, I will say I didn't have any blueberry pie that made me rethink my existence. Um, you know, there's sometimes you go places. Like, I always tell you about this, and it's like, you know, you're hearing me say it again. I'm like, eating pizza in New York. I eat pizza in New York, and every time I eat pizza in New York, I'm like, I don't understand why it's so good here. Everywhere. The shittiest place you get pizza. It's so good. Um, I didn't feel that way about the pie in Maine that I had. I had three different places I had I had blueberry pie, and it was really good. Really good. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, some some sort of epiphany or anything. Yeah, I get it. Although, have you ever, uh, I think I told you, I went to, uh, when I was in Vegas uh, earlier this week, I went to, I went to Joe's Stone Crab. Have you ever been? No. Did I tell you about this place or no? I don't think so. All right. It's, um, it's in, uh, it's like Miami or South Beach or something like that. That's where they're from originally, but they basically own the market of uh, stone crabs. And if you're not familiar with stone crabs, it's a, it's basically crabs with like this big mutant claw. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they actually, the way, depending on how you look at it, it's either the most or least ethical way to eat seafood because they don't actually kill the crabs. They hack off the arm and then throw it back. And then the arm grows back. So that's cool. So you're not eating anything that's been killed, but you are eating something that has been, you are eating a maimed uh, part of the crab. So, you know, depending on how you look at it, it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, yeah, I, I find it delicious, so it's a good thing, you know? So... This place, dynamite seafood, it's basically like a steakhouse. Everything's a la carte, super expensive. But they also have, in my opinion, the best key lime pie I've mm, ever had. You did and it's like, this. you ever, I don't know if there's anything you've ever eaten where you're like, this is without a doubt the best version of this thing. And it's like the moon compared to second place. That is this key lime pie in particular. Oh like I'll sing the praises of John's um, Bleaker. That is, in my opinion, first place. But it's not a landslide. It's like the difference between one and two. It's like, you know, I, I'm I'm mainly tipped towards the edge of John's for nostalgic purposes, and I understand that. But this key lime pie is just like magic. Like, what can you think of, if anything, that is no doubt the best version of a thing? Yeah, I don't know. That's a challenge. I mean, like my my feeling is to immediately go back to the pizza. Like I think that uh, Scar's pizza is. You think it was that good? Uh, I think it's my. I think it's the best. I think it's the best of pizza, the New York style pizza in New York that I've had. Mm -hmm. But I don't think of New York pizza in New York. Like I think Upside across. The, like I think Upside is like pretty good <laughs> compared to yeah. stuff. I don't think it's miles away. 
you know, the best version of, uh, of that thing. So I don't know. I could probably, if I thought about it for a while, I could probably think of, of something, but, uh, what about like dim sum? Like I went to, um, the original yeah. Tim Hoan in Taiwan. I was there uh, yeah. too. And I've had other, and Tim Hoan in general is like so good. But even then I could think of others that are within parody of that. And it's not, but like I think that sometimes that it's like tied to, I mean, for me, it's sometimes tied to like these like moments. Like I had a, I had an opportunity to be, to go to Madrid to, uh, I was working with a studio there called, um, Tequila Works, which is an amazing studio. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, they had just launched their, one of their games when I happened to be there. And so they got paellas delivered to the oh. office and uh because i guess in in madrid you just can just get like a paella in a paella pan like just delivered like a pizza we would have in the u.s and it was by far and away the greatest paella i've ever had in my life like it was like but it but it might not be the best paella in madrid it just happened to be that for me so i don't know i don't really i can't think of anything i think of like pizza in new york and and that paella but that's awesome. I gotta, I gotta make my way over to, uh, to um, where did you have this in 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 uh, Miami? You said it's in Miami. I went to, I've I've been to the one in Vegas more than any of the others, and it's all the same. So is that where you had this this pie recently? This key lime pie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had it Sunday well, night. Now I gotta. I, well, okay. Well, I'll yeah, be in Vegas. Go to Vegas. Soon. Get this pie. Yeah, it's good the stuff. Right now, I'm in LA. I can drive there. All right. It's what's the what's it. the what's the movie question? All right, the movie question. It's like really specific. You might have to do some Googling to get your bearing straight. What is your favorite movie released in 1994? Man, 1994. Is there a right answer to this question? No, no. None of these actually have right answers. It's all like more conversation starters. The reason I asked 1994, I think 1994, if you look at the Academy Awards nominees for Best Picture of 1994, it's one of the most ridiculously competitive years of movies where you had... um, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Lose to Forrest Gump. Which one movie of the year? Oh, is The Professional come out in 1994 as well? Yes. Leon The Professional also came out that year. My favorite movie of that year, Unsung Hero, Quiz Show. One of the, that was a one great of my favorite movie. movies of all time. Great movie. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, who directed Quiz Show? Was that a... Robert Redford. Robert Redford, yeah. Um... Uh, the acclaimed director behind The Legend of Bagger Vance. That's an interesting question because the answer for me is definitely Pulp Fiction because I would put Pulp Fiction probably in my top five of all time. Um, I think Pulp Fiction, I love Quentin Tarantino and I think that uh, I think so many of his movies are great and you could argue one better than the other. I think, you know, obviously um, um, Jackie Brown being one of the most underappreciated and amazing of his movies. But I think Pulp Fiction for me represents his kind of like the amalgamation of his skill set. I think Reservoir Dogs is so raw, but his writing and directorial style and and narrative style are there. And I feel like Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction to me feels like the movie he wanted to make for like 20 years, like that finally came together and it's like perfect. So I don't know. I think that that would probably be good. Also, Blank Man was really good. Hell yeah! Did uh, yes. Ace Ventura? I mean, these are good movies. Yeah, this is a 
This is it's difficult. a crazy year. It's a crazy year for movies. Yeah. And then I love the professional. I mean, that movie's so so awesome. I mean, I watched probably I, the I watched most it recently. Probably the most quoted movie in uh, in the office. Yeah. I everyone. recently sent you a gift. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Gary Oldman is a treasure. Gary Oldman is incredible. Dude, uh, one time I was coming out to New York, I think, and I watched um um what was the one where he plays the British commander from World War Two? Oh, where he plays Churchill? Yeah. Uh, is it um, called Churchill? Um, no, it's called something darkness. What the um Anyways, I watched that movie on the flight over and I was just like Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour. hour. I was like, he is so incredible. And I wanted to like get onto social media and just to like just to gush about him. But it had been like five years since that movie came out. out There was like no context to like gush about this movie that came out like five years ago. Anyways, he's incredible. Yeah, he's awesome. He should have won for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is also one of my favorite movies. And he's so he's the fact that I had to do a double take because I loved the fifth element as a kid. And I mean, I still love it now. And, and when you realize that that's also Gary Oldman playing the bad guy, you're like, wait, huh? That's the same guy. How's that the same guy? (laughs) It's so wild. The guy is, the guy is just awesome. Forrest Gump came out in 94 as well. That's what won best movie of the year. That's a good movie too, man. Telling you that year is insane. Insane. That's why I like that question. It's a fun question. All right. Uh, we kind of talked about what we were playing, so I think I'll just skip that question. Maybe Let's end on this philosophical question, all right? Because I feel like this will spiral into some interesting dialogue. Is there a perfect game? I don't I mean, no. no. And if not, what is the closest that you could think of that's come to it? Chess, maybe? I don't know. Does that count? Chess. I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird question. Um, Because... Well, you think about it, let's frame it in this way, right? Every game comes out and they get ratings, right? And, you know, there are 10 rated games. And now, more than ever, I'd say this year is showing that more games are getting 10s than ever before. But does 10 mean perfect? I don't know. Probably, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom got a lot of tens, right? Yeah. I think Final Fantasy 16 got a lot of tens. I think you're about to see Baldur's Gate 3. Everybody's talking about this game and how this is like one of the best games of all time, maybe the best game of all time. Going to get a lot of tens. Is it perfect? Maybe not from a technical standpoint, but how do you quantify that? Does a 10 mean perfect? And is there such thing? Is that is such a thing ever achievable? Yeah. It's a it's an interesting it's an interesting question. I mean, I think that's I what think, I'm trying to do here, trying to ask interesting questions. Success. Yeah, well done, sir. I th- I think games that um I think anything all everything can be improved upon. I think I think that's why we continue to see art be made, be like new games be made. So I think that if in if new games can be created all the time, inherently um uh, nothing is perfect because everything can be sort of like built upon. Um, For me, games that are 10 are games that um, evolve the concept of what games can be or what they are uh, so much that, and that doesn't necessarily mean just mechanically, it can be narratively as well. Um, And 
and just kind of define their genre from within their own game. Um, and for me, the it's weird because I was like looking up like I first thing came up was like IGN's like list of games that are a ten. I don't really yeah. think that. I don't really think that the modern Zelda games represent that to me. I think that they're really well made, beautiful, tons of fun, incredible. But I don't think that they like define a genre necessarily as much, mm. especially the modern ones. I feel like Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are a collection of they've done a really good job of pulling genres together to 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 represent what those new games are. But um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I think of I think of perfect games for me. Like my favorite games are like I think my favorite game of all time is probably Portal. Like if you were to say like what's your favorite if I had to say what my favorite game was, which is an impossible question to answer. And I think the reason why that is my favorite game is because it um introduces a concept of what the game is. And then within its own, within the game itself, subverts your expectation of what the game um, is supposed to be. Meaning, you come into the game and it's like it's a physics puzzle problem. And you're like, oh, I'm in the puzzle game. But then that puzzle game then turns itself on its head and becomes something beyond that, and and uses the player's agency as a narrative like component of 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 the game experience. And I think that. It's something unique to what games can do is use the player's individual agency as a narrative component. And uh, I think the original Portal is like, I think it introduces something really interesting mechanically that I hadn't, you, no one that ever really seen before. Um, and then it subverts the first person shooter genre into, you're not really shooting things, but that's okay. the mechanic of what that game is. And then you get to the end of the game and you're, I'm totally fulfilled with the puzzle experience of that game and then it turns into this total other thing um and makes you question everything that you just did and uh i just i mean there are games like that where you you grab people that you care about and you're like you have to play this game it's important that you know about this experience and so games like that are like that for me braid is another one that comes to mind uh yeah. was a game for me like that anyways yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, it's funny because you go against the the idea of best versus perfect. Like perfect by right. definition would be flawless. But a game without flaws is still not necessarily the best because you look at, honestly, there's a lot of games you talk about PUBG before. There's people who will say this game is my favorite game of all time. This is the best because I had the most fun playing it. And that game is a technical disaster. Nightmare. Just right. And that's and a lot of these games as well, you'll see people thriving off the glitches and it's the jankiness of a game. They the imperfection that makes it so great. Like what's that crazy um, like medieval fighting game with like all the sorts of what is it? Total total war tabs, to, total something battle something anyway. Um, but that's the kind of thing that just like looks crazy and janky over the top gang beast as well. It's like the goofiness of it is mm -hmm. what makes it work. Right. Um Whereas you look at games without flaws, Portal is an interesting example because that game might actually be one of the closest 3D games comes that comes to perfection. In that there are, I can't think of any flaws within that game because before you know it, because once you've had your fill, it's over. 
Right. And that is Which, that is one of the most interesting things. Uh, Limbo is another one of those Limbo, games, yeah. Right? I was thinking Limbo Inside. Limbo and Inside. Too which are games that are also, you know, technically flawless and only take two to four hours to complete. And then you're yeah. like, well, I have my film. I'm not going to, you know, A is some, you could have subjective or subjective opinions. And objectively, that game is without technical flaws. And then subjectively, someone could say, well, it's, uh, well, it's too short. And then those people are greedy. Yes. <laughs> because any more might have caused the risk of what's objectively perfect. Right. And then you can look yeah. at games. You know, if I was to look at a game that how would I define perfection? I agree. I don't necessarily think there's a perfect game, although there are games that have come very close. And maybe Portal is that. Braid, I wouldn't put in that category. I would think perfection would also be a game without um, undue frustration. Braid is a game that I don't think could be, you know, without a guide. I needed a guide to get through it. You know, it was it was too tough for me um, at first. And you know, but but the ideas that it presented were so strong and interesting. That that ending sequence is so wild and subversive. I don't a game hasn't done that before Braid, and that's what made it so cool. Um, it's like genre subversion does not equal perfection. It can elevate a game to greatness. Like that's why you're right. Right. Tears of the Tears of the Kingdom is the best game I played this year, and it's not even close. And that's largely because of how how like well execute everything is is it perfect no because technically it's kind of it's it's not great but my god the way it executes and elevates the genre that it does like you talk about subverting genres and that kind of stuff like you could literally at any point just teleport to any ground and yeah. go through and go through the world it is so cool the the um you know the the move sets that they give you to traverse the worlds are very interesting and the open nature the idea of a game that i don't usually like a game that lets me run amok but the fact that it's like here are some places to go and then along the way you kind of find your own adventures it's like feels more like an organic adventure game than anything else without feeling overwhelming on an enormous map which is something that's truly impressive for a game of that scale and size mm -hmm. and let alone one that you that i had almost no interest in because i was like breath of the wild i liked but for whatever reason tears of the kingdom just hit in a way that was beyond anything else and then I could also talk about, you know, my my favorite game of all time is one of the least perfect games ever. Uh, you know, Deus Ex is so good, the original, but my God, it looks awful. <laughs> there is the voice acting is silly. It is uh, it is not intuitive whatsoever. There are so many problems with that game, but the level of freedom and flexibility that it grants you without telling you where I could go through a level, play it, come out the other side and not and feel like I did it the way I wanted to without putting be without you putting up these walls and still letting me move forward without actually giving me like a branching narrative or feeling like I missed anything. That is like a masterclass in game design that I that that is still yet to be taught for me. And but again, is that perfect? Yeah. No. That game is highly flawed. <laughs> it's interesting too because you think about perfection, I think also I think a lot about polish. And I think like mm -hmm polish level in games can vary dramatically and like sometimes games that are so quickly innovating and like like again talking about PUBG or talking about like Tarkov that I play now which is like totally fucking broken all the time um <laughs> uh games that are um you know or even like Fall Guys I think or um only up 
or like games that are, you know, innovating so much, but then lack that polish. And then there are other games that, you know, they're innovative in their own ways. I mean, I definitely think like the freedom that uh, Tears of the Kingdom gives the player, like these tools, you're like, I want to be able to do this anywhere in the map. And it does. And somehow you can't break the game. I mean, you yeah. do break the, you can break the game, but, but like, um, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a pretty well-built soundbox to do that, but it's, but it's almost like about its polish level that makes it like so great. Cause there's definitely games that I played that I don't think are like changing the world, like with what their, the, the core design concepts of the game. I, and I go back to last of us, I think last of us part two, I'm, I'm like trying to be careful because I do feel like there are some very innovative tech things that game does, but like in the end of the day, the game is you're walking down the hallways and you're shooting zombies and it's not the most innovative game experience, but the polish on that game is so unbelievable that yeah. it just um, just takes you somewhere different. So, I'd point to uh, like the Horizon games as well. Yes, but the polish on those and the scope and scale and the beauty of it and that world is so cool. Is that perfect? No, because I'd say mechanically it's got some it's got some issues, but man, is it like such a such a cool beautiful executed world and especially on that scale it's like what if if zelda was able to look that good it would blow people's mind i don't think people would be able to handle that <laughs> it would go nuts I'm trying to look at like my shelf to see i mean it's funny when i think of like games that are perfection i think of companies like valve and blizzard and the other thing about nintendo i mean nintendo, you go back to like super nintendo. nintendo we'll go back to our our conversation about like you know mario kart 8 just just sells all the time all the time all the time it's just a perfect game i mean that's a perfect game yeah. for a lot of people the, the super mario world snes might be a perfect game it's so good but there are levels they, the the stumbling points when you go through the whole game and you think about oh gotta get through this level <laughs> snw is one of the best games ever though totally Absolutely. and, and it, it's easily in my top five. and like mario 64 also i recently replayed Mario 64 on Switch. It uh, it was okay. I'll tell you what doesn't hold up that well. Sunshine. I still love the oh, world. Really? And I wanted to love it because I remember absolutely loving it. That game is just the movement is not as fluid. I never played a lot of that one. Used to be. I got really into I, a, a, a Galaxy, but not, not Sunshine. That's a great one. Well, those, those were both on Wii, right? Uh, Sunshine was on Sunshine was GameCube. GameCube. Galaxy One and Two were Wii, and you could get everything except for Galaxy Two on Switch because they have that All Stars collection. So cool. That's a good game. Well, dude. any uh, any clothing thoughts on that topic? Um, I don't know. It's like uh, I, I mean, I I appreciate the thought provoking questions because. Um, I want to be able to answer it, and I, but it's an impossible thing to answer. Uh, and that's the thing. Most of these aren't necessarily meant to be answered. They're not, there's no right answers to any of these questions. You know, I was going to ask, what are we playing? But I already know what you're playing. You're playing Tarkov. I'm playing Tarkov, and I'm trying to finish. I, I'm, I'm playing Oxenfree 2 as well. I'm, I'm playing, oh, nice. I've been playing Oxenfree 2. I played a, a ton of it, and then I stopped before I went on vacation, and I need to come back and finish it. Um. This so, is yeah. why I have not started. I bought Final Fantasy 16 like the day it came out and I have not even started it because I just haven't been home and I need to wait until all this travel is done and then I will lock myself in my apartment and play Final Fantasy 16. When are you 16 going now. to Germany? Sunday. It is Friday now, so I'm going in two days. 
That's going to be fun, man. Sunday night. Should be good. Never been to a Gamescom before. Any tips for uh, if anybody's listening and going to Gamescom? Or if, say, hypothetically, I'm going to Gamescom? Uh, why have I told I told people you were going to Gamescom on the other on the other podcast I was on? So, um, oh boy, people are gonna find me. They're gonna swarm me. Um, look for the short guy. He's uh okay. So what I would tell you is the first couple days when you're there, when it's the business days, go and like if you want to buy stuff like at any of the merch stands, go buy it during those days because the the show floor opens for everyone like a couple days later and it's impossible to navigate the halls. So many people, it's ridiculous. Um, so don't like, I don't know if you're like me, but I'll like scope stuff out and then I'll come back later and just like buy all the stuff that I want to get. If you're going to pick up anything, get it like in the beginning because the the, the booths are open, but none of the real none of the it's just industry during those days um all the stuff i, I was think those s- are the only days i'm there i don't think i think i'm leaving once it opens for the public um well i don't and then the other thing is like i don't know if i want to tell you uh where's the train station okay so the real... I, I, do you know do you know where i could get those uh apple pancakes german apple pancakes no dude i don't fucking know where you can get the german apple pancakes wow. um where is this uh where is this hotel it's called hang on there's a term for it no there is a so i mean people know like if they if you go to um oh here it is okay so there is a particular hotel that is where everyone hangs out at um at at gamescom and so if you go to the bar at the at this hotel, they'll literally you you need to get there kind of earlier in the night too, because at a certain point the hotel stops people from coming in who are not staying at that hotel. Um, but like everyone is there. And you just sit at the bar and everyone's really friendly and you're talking to like everybody from the industry. Uh, and every I feel like every like major trade show like has that that location. Uh, I'm gonna send you the location. I'm not. We're not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dox this yeah, location. Yeah, I understand. I think I could guess. Uh, cool. Could you? Uh, I'd be surprised because I I wouldn't have thought this, but it's um yeah. Anyways, that that's my only tip. All right. And then I just sent you um the German word for those apple pancakes. You want to try to pronounce that real quick? Uh, I'll spell it. I'll spell a- it. For apple. Fun- I'm gonna, wait, wait. I'm gonna spell it before he tries this. Here's how. Here's how it's spelled, and then he could try to sound this out in his head while we do it. A p e f e l p f a n n k u c h e n. Um, Affelfenkuchen. Wait. Uh, <laughs> Affel Affelfenkuchen. Affelfenkuchen. Huh? Can I put this into like a? Can I put this into a into like Google and it'll like tell me? What this? Yeah, thing. I'm gonna. I was just gonna get it on my phone loaded so I could hear how it's pronounced. Affelfankuchen. <laughs> I was pretty close. Here we go. Affelfankuchen. Here we go. Listen. Affelfankuchen. That doesn't help. Wow, right. I think I heard that fine. No, I'm saying the pronunciation doesn't help. I'm still confused. I'm yeah, that's the thing that. too. Is like my um, mouth doesn't make those uh, doesn't contort that way. To Germany and like and like Switzerland and 
Sweden and other Eastern, and like going further into Eastern Eastern Europe, when you like get directions to a place, and they'll and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, go down." They'll say the first word, and then you like immediately know, "I don't, I'm I'm not going to remember this." And you just let them keep talking, and then you turn left on the something something, and then right, and you're like, "Okay, thank you," and you just gotta walk off like you like you knew what they said. Yeah, the. Um... The value of Google Maps when traveling abroad. I don't know how people have done it prior. Yeah. Um, but hey, I'm glad we have it now. Who says technology is not a good thing, right? It's a great thing. It yeah, also allows us to do this podcast. So thank you for listening. Go, definitely go to that hotel when you're there. Okay. I'm going to go to that hotel. That's my, that's my only tip. Okay. Will do. Thank you. All right. Well, Ethan, this has been fun. Thanks yeah, it's for, fun. Uh, thanks for taking the time to chat. Uh, like I said, if you... If you're listening to this and you uh, and we're expecting a Days of Doom chat, well, I hope you had fun anyway listening to this. And if uh, you have any questions from Days of Doom, hit up the Discord. Join the official join the official Target Games Discord. Uh, what is is there like a quick way to join that thing or no? Um, I don't know. Just give us a search. Um, we can drop we can, we can drop a link in the in the comments below or in the uh, in the description. Yeah. That sounds good. And uh, yeah, follow us and uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and other podcast services. Look for the official Atari Games podcast. Um, You should rate us and review us on iTunes. That would be wonderful. It helps the algorithms. We'll help people find it. And it just helps to uh, hear what you think, good or bad. Look, if you got bad things to say, like I said, give us the five stars. I'll read it. And then you could say bad things, but the five stars will help. So that's all I ask. Till next time. Thanks for listening, Ethan. Say goodbye. Uh, Afro Fukin. See ya.